I'd like you to take your copy of God's Word. I hope you have a Bible with you today. Take your Bible, if you have it with you, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It is, you knew this already, it's 2016, right? You knew this. And if you didn't, welcome to 2016. It's a new year. And we tend to look at each new year as a new beginning. I know I do. I wonder if you do too. Many of us look at each new year as a fresh start, a new opportunity to add a, a good habit or two and to get rid of a couple of bad habits or two or more, hopefully not more, but you know, you might have some things that you need to rearrange in your life and you might look to the new year as an opportunity for a fresh start. I do that. Maybe you have some resolutions. That's a good thing as you work hard to keep them. The boys and I were out yesterday and we drove past a fitness place that was filled with cars. And I said a week from now that place will not be filled with cars. Because in a week everyone will be sore and saying, man, this exercise thing is painful. If that's you, keep going. The pain will go away eventually. Keep going. Keep exercising. Physical fitness is good for you, but I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about something that's even better for you today, and that is God's Word. You need God's Word. God's Word says that. Physical fitness is a, is a good thing, but God's Word and spiritual fitness is even better. I would encourage you, as we enter this new year together, to look forward to a 2016 filled with spiritual health. I hope that's your desire. I hope those are your goals. I hope that's your commitment before the Lord to be spiritually healthy. I trust that's why you're here today, because you want to be spiritually healthy. This year, for a healthy spiritual life in 2016, you need two things, and I want to encourage you toward those two things beginning today and over the next few weeks. You need two things, especially in your life, and you need them daily. I need them daily, and those two things are the Bible and prayer. You need the Bible. You need God's Word, and you need to pray. If you want to be spiritually healthy, if you want to make spiritual New Year's resolutions, you ought to make these two, that I will read God's Word in 2016, and I will pray. Maybe you're already very faithful in these two spiritual disciplines. If you are, I hope you will be encouraged by these messages over the next few weeks to keep it up, to be faithful, to remain faithful, to be very faithful in those spiritual disciplines. If you're already faithful in those things, I say praise God, but don't take a break. And be very careful that you don't think that you've got this cornered, this spiritual discipline cornered, because as you probably know, the spiritual life can be filled with ebb and flow, ups and downs. But if you're faithful in this already, I say praise God for you, but keep it up. Remain faithful. And I hope that you will be encouraged to continue to be intentional. And if you're not intentional in these things already, I hope that you will be encouraged to be intentional in your Bible reading and in your prayer in 2016. Because I'm guessing that most of us, if not all of us, could use some encouragement in this area of our spiritual lives. And I think no matter how long you've been a believer, you may feel this way, that oh, I feel like I can improve my, in my prayer life. I feel like I, I can improve in my Bible reading. That's probably going to be true of you for your whole life, your whole spiritual life. Don't let that discourage you. But, but I say that's, that's probably a good sign that you're, not, that you're not content to say, well, I've, you know, I've reached... I've reached my, my peak in Bible reading and prayer, and I think I'm doing well, and I'll never get better at this. I, 
I, I doubt we'll ever be able to say that in, in, in our lifetime. I hope you'll be encouraged by that to keep plugging away, keep marching on, remain faithful, and be intentional in this, these spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer. I'm guessing we could all use encouragement in that. So how important is intentionality in our spiritual lives? How important is it to be intentional? D.A. Carson says, people do not drift toward holiness. People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. When I read that, I said, ouch. Ouch. That describes my life in some ways. I wonder if that describes your life in some ways. That's convicting, isn't it? So toward being intentional in your spiritual life, I'd like to encourage and challenge you to add to or strengthen in your daily life in 2016 the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer. You desperately need these. And I'd like to encourage you to commit yourself to these spiritual disciplines, not as legalism, Because we might say, well, that's kind of legalistic to say that we all need the word and prayer, but I don't believe it is. God's word declares this. This is not legalism. I would encourage you toward this as a delight in God. Do you delight in God? Can you look at your life today and say, I delight in the Lord. I delight in the things of the Lord. If you can, I say praise God. But I'm guessing that you can look at your life and say, I want to delight more in the things of the Lord. I want to delight in being a child of God. I hope that's your desire. That's my desire for you. I pray to that end for your spiritual lives because I am certain that if you will delight yourself in the things of the Lord, if you will seek the joy of the Bible reading, this this joy of Bible reading and the joy of prayer, you will find, I think, that you will have the best year of your life. You will know true joy in the Lord. You will know with Bible reading and prayer, faithfulness to the Lord, and he will strengthen you through those spiritual disciplines. And I believe that your year, 2016, could be the best year that you have ever lived. Today we begin this series addressing the topic of Bible reading. And I begin with this question, why read the Bible? Why? I have two reasons Two reasons that you should read your Bible in answer to that question. First of all, you should read the Bible because it is God's Word. It is God's Word. And we'll discuss that. We'll address that thought this morning in the passage before us. Second, you should read the Bible because as God's Word to you, God will use it to change your life. For example... 
John Piper writes, On June 27, 1819, Adoniram Judson baptized his first convert in Burma. His wife described how Mong Nao had responded to the scripture, writing, A few days ago, I was reading with him Christ's Sermon on the Mount. He was deeply impressed and unusually solemn. These words, said he, these words take hold on my liver. They make me tremble. Piper says, God spoke through Isaiah the prophet 2,700 years ago and said, This is the man to whom I will look, he that is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. And then he goes on to say this about the Bible's impact in history. For 2,000 years, the Bible has been taking hold of people's livers and making them tremble. First with fear because it reveals our sin. Then with faith because it reveals God's grace. A single verse, Romans 13, 13, convicted and converted the immoral Augustine. For Martin Luther, a miserable monk, the light broke in through Romans 1.17. He said, Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy of God justifies us through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. Piper goes on to say, For Jonathan Edwards, it was 1 Timothy 1.17. He says, The first instance that I remember of that sort of inward sweet delight in God and divine things that I have lived much in since was on reading these words, 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As I read the words, there came into my soul a sense of the glory of the divine being, a new sense quite different from anything I ever experienced before. Never any words of Scripture seemed to me as these words did. So Piper concludes, from century to century, from Egypt to Germany to New England, the Bible has been drawing people to Christ and making them new. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should read the Bible, because it draws you to Christ and makes you new. Now with that, let's turn together to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to look at verses 16 and 17 this morning where we find Paul writing to Timothy, pointing to the authority, sufficiency, and the effects of God's word. Because not only does the Bible equip one with the knowledge for salvation, revealing your sin, and opening your spiritual eyes to see God's grace, but it also equips you for a life of holiness. It will make you new. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 
and 17 as I read from the English Standard Version. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now certainly, the most valuable instruction and understanding that you will gain from God's word is that instruction that gives you understanding of your need of Christ and the way to Christ for salvation. The most valuable instruction you gain from God's word is that instruction that leads to the forgiveness of your sins and to the saving of your soul. What comes next in importance from the knowledge of God's word is how the Bible teaches you to live a life surrendered to Christ. It's the instruction that tells you how to live your new life in Christ. But before you're ready, before you're ready to live by the instruction of God's word, you need to believe that the Bible is authoritative. And that's just what Paul tells Timothy in verse 16, that God's word is authoritative. God's word is authoritative for your life and for mine. Note here the foundation for the authority of the Bible. The scripture's authority is seen in verse 16. Verse 16 says, looking at verse 16 again, all scripture is breathed out by God. Note that, all scripture. All scripture, that's all of the Bible. It is breathed out by God. Meaning it's, it is divinely inspired. It is inspired by God. Now what does it mean that the scriptures are, are breathed out or, or are inspired by God? Warren Wiersbe gives a cautionary explanation saying this. We must not think of inspiration the way the world thinks when it says Shakespeare was certainly an inspired writer. What we mean by biblical inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the Bible's writers, which guaranteed that what they wrote was accurate and trustworthy. Revelation means the communicating of truth to man by God. Inspiration has to do with the recording of this communication in a way that is dependable. Whatever the Bible says about itself, man, God, life, death, history, science, and every other subject is true. This does not mean that every statement in the Bible is true, because the Bible records the lies of men and of Satan, but the record is true. Merrill F. Unger adds that divine inspiration makes the Bible uniquely the Word of God and not merely a book containing the Word of God, and as such is different from any other book, sacred or secular. The Bible is uniquely the Word of God. This is why Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
So what should this mean for your life in 2016? That all of Scripture is breathed out by God. That the Bible is inspired by God. What should this mean for your life? This means that before you will be ready for the Word of God to shape your thinking and your speech and your conduct, equipping you to live a holy life that delights in God, you need to see and believe that the Bible is the Word of God, God's Word to mankind. And more specifically, you need to understand that the Bible is God's Word to you. The Bible is God's Word to you. This is God speaking to you. When you open the Bible to read it for yourself, God is speaking to you. That is Scripture's authority, and that is why you should nurture the spiritual discipline of Bible reading in 2016. Now, Let's note next that Paul makes clear something else. It's very important for understanding why you should develop, why you should nurture the spiritual discipline of reading the Bible in this new year. And that is Scripture's sufficiency. Scripture's sufficiency. Verse 16 tells us that the Bible is profitable for teaching, for for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And note the progression there. Think about the progression. First, there's teaching. And then there's reproof, and then there's correction, and then there's training in righteousness. So read the Bible because the Scriptures teach. In fact, they teach a great deal, but first they teach you of your need of salvation. Note in verse 15. Look at verse 15. The sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Praise God that the Bible exposes us for who we are and what we need. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us our sins if we place our faith in Him. The Bible makes that clear. And so read the Bible because the Scriptures teach. And read the Bible because the Scriptures reprove. And there's not a lot of difference between reproof and correction other than the fact that once you've been reproved, you ought to have your ways corrected. But think of reproof as the calling out of your error or the calling out of your failure to do something. Read the Bible because it will show you the error of your ways and your thinking. And let me emphasize that just a little bit here for a moment because sometimes we read the Bible for other people's sake. We, we read the Bible and we think of other people when we read the Bible. I think of my wife a lot and my kids a lot when I read the Bible. I mean, come on, don't you? And I think of, you know, people around me, and I think of, you know, the needs that they have, and I see things in there, and I go, phew, that's what they need. Come on, you do that too, don't you? You read that, you hear the pastor say something, and you go, huh, you know, you need that. You know. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people walk out and say, great message, pastor, I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear that. And I think, you were here, you heard it. Be forewarned, if you ever say that to me, going out, you say, I I wish so-and-so was here to say that. I'm going to say, you were here, okay? So, you've had fair warning, but guess what? Like the guy who points one finger, has three fingers pointing at himself, I feel like a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself here. I need this. And the point is, you need this. 
We need this. This is God speaking to you. This is God speaking to me. Be careful when you read the Bible that you're not reading for the sake of the people around you who desperately need these truths that you can regurgitate to them. I'm not saying that we not encourage each other with the scriptures. Absolutely, we must. Encourage one another with the scriptures. We need to help hold each other accountable to the truths that we profess, to proclaim, to believe in from God's word. But you better let this word do its work in you first. Let that be your primary reason for reading the Bible, that you want to be changed, that you want to glorify God with your life. Then read the Bible because the scriptures also correct. The scriptures reprove in that they show you your error, your neglect, or your lack of faith. The scriptures reprove. We could say reproof is the declaration that you're headed the wrong way and to correct is to point you in the right way. And then read the Bible Because the scriptures train in righteousness. So once you've been set straight, the scriptures continue to lead you to righteous living. The Bible trains you in holy, Christ-honoring, God-delighting conduct. And when your conduct is not holy and Christ-honoring and God-delighting, the Bible will convict you that you need to confess your sin and start living in the way that God declares in His Word. D.L. Moody once said that the Scriptures were not given for our information, but for our transformation. Amen. And that's what Paul is reminding Timothy of, and that's what God is reminding us of here in the Bible about the sufficiency of Scripture. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And your transformation toward holy living depends upon, to rephrase Psalm 119, verse 11, your storing up, your storing up God's Word in your life that you might not sin against Him. So nurture the spiritual discipline of Bible reading in 2016 because the Bible is sufficient to meet your needs and to change your life. Now note also that Paul points next to the effect of the Scriptures. The effect of the Scriptures. And this is the purpose for which God's children are transformed by the Word of God. Verse 17, look at it. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I'll start at the end. What are the good, what's the good work? What are the good works that we're to be doing? One word starts with an O. Obedience. Obedience to God's word. It means you go out into into this world in which you live and you go do your daily work as you obey God, as you honor him with your Christ-honoring, God-glorifying, Bible-informed attitude in maybe a difficult work environment where you've got difficult coworkers or a difficult boss. Your good work is obedience to God. It brings glory to God as you honor him, as you make Christ-exalting choices 
based on what you know from God's word as it corrects your thinking and informs your living. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. What are the effects of Scripture? The Scriptures make a believer, a man, a woman, a child who is a believer. Every child of God, the Scriptures make a believer competent. Now, the King James Version uses the word perfect here. Maybe you, maybe you have that in your hands, or maybe you have some other translation, but, but the word perfect in the King James Version is not ideal, I don't think, here, because the idea is, is not that the Scriptures make you perfect. You think you'll be perfect to the side of heaven? If you think you will be, read your Bible in 2016, because it will tell you something different. It's going to tell you that you have, you have a God who forgives. We have God's word to help us not sin. But if we do sin, because we, we do, we have a God who forgives. Praise God. We need that reminder from God's word. So, the idea isn't perfect in quality, but that the scriptures make one perfectly fit for duty. It makes you confident, competent or perfect, which means here, fully suited for, thoroughly fit for, fully qualified for, or complete. So the man of God, God's child, the woman of God, the man of God, the child who is a believer, and I believe this is true for every believer, as they take in God's word, it gives you just what you need to live your life today. It is complete. It is sufficient. It is authoritative. So the man of God, God's child, is completely furnished for service by the Bible, God's word. Now think about how it is that a child of God can be fully suited or completely equipped for service to God in your daily living. How is that? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 gives us a very clear explanation on this question saying that his divine Power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And I think that knowledge begins as we know who Jesus is and we believe in Him, but it continues as we go to His Word and we read the Bible and He informs our thinking and corrects our thinking and helps us know how we ought to live. When a believer with an attitude and a life that is yielded to the working of the Spirit's work in his life and soul being fed by the Word, when a believer with an attitude and a life that's yielded to the working of the Spirit feeding his soul with the Bible, God gives just what that believer needs for life and godliness. You don't need Dr. Phil. You don't need whoever the other talking heads are who would give you all kinds of life advice, you need the Bible. You need God's Word. God gives just what the believer needs for life and godliness, and the Bible is fully capable of this equipping because it is God's Word. As Psalm 19.7 teaches, the law of the Lord is perfect, 
reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And all the simpletons, like me, said, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. (laughs) Because I know I can go to God's word for his wisdom. And he is good to give it to me when I humble myself before his word. He is good to give it to you when you humble yourself before God's word to be changed by it. When you come with humility and say, God, please make me the man or the woman or the child that you want me to be. God, help me to be the student that you want me to be. Help me to be the teenager that you want me to be. Help me to be the parent, the child, the grandparent, the neighbor, the coworker that you want me to be. Please correct my thinking and encourage me with your word. God is faithful to provide just what you need. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who will take the word as you use it and bring it to bear on your life. So read the Bible daily in 2016 because the scriptures make a believer who is competent and capable of living a godly life. And that godly life will be a joy to you and will bring great glory to God and will make him known. Then another effect of God's word is that the scriptures also equip. The scriptures also equip. Verse 17 says that with the scriptures, the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Now when you, as a child of God, devour the word of God with an attitude and life yielded to the Spirit of God, you will be completely equipped and thoroughly furnished with just what you need to fulfill God's purpose for you, which is your daily good work that God has called you to in Christ. So devote yourself to reading the Bible daily in 2016 because the Bible is authoritatively God's Word. And as God's word, it is thoroughly sufficient to teach, reprove, correct, and train you in righteousness for the purpose of effecting change toward Christ's likeness and for the purpose of equipping you for the good work that God has for you each and every day. And that is for every Christ follower. Young people, I would encourage you If you can read, read the Bible. Teenagers, if you can read, read the Bible. Young adults, read the Bible. Parents, read the Bible. Grandparents, read the Bible. Read God's Word. I'm not suggesting that you read nothing else. But if everything else comes first, you've got things upside down. God God declares in his word the way to life and godliness. And if you're looking anywhere else, you're missing a treasure. You should devote yourself to reading daily in 2016 the Bible because the scriptures are just what you need most. The scriptures, God's word, the Bible will bring real life change for your good and for God's glory. John Wesley wrote this about the profitability of God's word. He says, I am a creature of a day 
passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit coming from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf a few moments hence, and I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. Here then I am, far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone. Only God is here. In his presence I open, I read his book for this end to find the way to heaven. So as J.C. Ryle says, let us receive nothing, believe nothing, follow nothing which is not in the Bible nor can be proved by the Bible. And Thomas Watson says, the scripture is both the breeder and feeder of grace. How is the convert born but by the word of truth, says James 1.18? How doth he grow but by the sincere milk of the word? So what are the implications of this wonderful truth that the Bible is God's inspired word? Why should you devote yourself to reading the Bible every day in 2016? John Piper says that there are implications for all of life, saying, Oh, that we had all day to talk about the wonderful implications of this doctrine. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. Therefore, it is true and altogether reliable. It is powerful, working its purpose in our hearts and not returning empty to the one who sent it. It is pure, like silver refined in a furnace seven times. It is satisfying. It gives life. It makes wise. It gives joy and promises great reward. It gives strength to the weak and comfort to the distraught and guidance to the perplexed and salvation to the lost. The wisdom of God in Scripture is inexhaustible. 